Hello and welcome to the Deep 2 NBA podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffer. Mr. Boffer, my man, how are we? Similar to Damian Lillard, quite good. <laughs> quite good. I think he's a lot better than quite good. Um, it's kind of incredible. It's kind of incredible like how good he has been. It's actually like historically unprecedented. Yeah. Well, how good he's been. Is it historically, historically unprecedented because... They're not even in the playoffs at the moment. Memphis is better than. No, that's that's a stupid argument. You just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, according to the according to the numbers, under the Ws and the Ls, Memphis is better. But that might not be the case for. Uh, much longer because the Blazers are five and one over their last six. They're now they've vaulted all the way up from like the thirteenth seed to the nine seed. They're like a game and a half behind the Grizzlies, and they've done that on the strength of Damian Lillard, who in the last six games, we talked about this dude last week. We were like, I read out his game logs, and we were like, Oh my god, how crazy is that? And then one week later, he's averaging forty nine points per game he's over his last six yeah. with ten assists. Uh, he's the only player in NBA history to ever average 45 and 10 over a six-game period. Like, no one's ever done it. Like, not even, like, Oscar Robertson. Not even, like... Not even one of those random 50s guys. Yeah, yeah. Not even, like, I don't know, Jerry West from, like, the late 60s. Mm. He joins 2007 Kobe, like, peak shot-jacking Kobe. And James Harden last year as the only players with 290 points or more in a six-game stretch. Harden had 299 and Kobe had, I think, 295 and Lillard's on, like, 293. Yeah. Um, and he's doing it all with less field goals attempted, more three-point field goals made, and higher percentages across the board than either of those players. And did we mention that the Blazers have gone from, like, 13th to 9th? Um, that is some incredible... Uh that's an incredible nose for stats. Where'd you get all them? NBA.com. Nice. Yeah. You just, yeah. That's, Sniffed um, it out. Look at only that's, uh, that's good work. Um, and they're, yeah, they're making the race for the eighth seed in the, um, in the West a lot more exciting than, you know, it was before, even though it was really exciting. Like, it's pretty much four guys, five teams. Yeah, Sacramento a bit out of it. So you got Memphis, Portland, Spurs, Phoenix, and New Orleans. I'm really honoured that you included Phoenix. In I there. really like Phoenix. You know, like we always have a joke that I go for Golden State. They've been historically good since we've been friends. You go for Phoenix, they've been terrible. But like, I really, really like them this, this season. Yeah, I, we're, we're a good team. We're not great. I I am much higher than on them than I think you are this season as well. Yeah, part of it is just me not wanting to let myself be high on them yeah see I'm, I'm already in that mindset being a Warriors fan it's like it's okay to get high on someone because you know nothing bad ever happens exactly so bad my NBA existence happens, is ever. everything bad always happens well to, to be fair I have had a few bad things happen to me in my Golden State fandom um, we lost to the Spurs after beating <laughs> after beating Andre Iguodala and then we lost to the Clippers after I remember it was game 7 <laughs> Um, sorry, Dante was just telling me off for playing with something. <laughs> it was game seven in LA. And before, just you know, during that series, that's when the whole Donald Sterling thing was happening. And obviously, yeah. quite a bad guy there. But um, heading into game seven, I think the whole crowd was chanting, we are one or like we are together or something like that. Yeah. And I remember I was in the car. Mum was driving me around somewhere and I had it playing on my phone. Like I was ready to watch this game so much. I was going to watch five minutes on the 3G before I got home. And then I was just listening to it. I was like, oh, mum, we stand no chance. Like, literally the whole crowd is chanting, we are one. 
and for a good reason. But I was like, look, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but we've got to win a basketball game here. And <laughs> this team is very much together. And I was like, oh, well, fair enough, but not fair enough. So I've been through some hardships. Yeah. And then straight after that, your team won three rings in four that's years. Right, is that yeah, that's like right. on my timeline, correct? <laughs> yeah, anyway, maybe. we're so derailed. No, but no, yeah, you are right in talking about the race for the eight seed being interesting because even six weeks ago, it was like, you, I don't know, I just felt pretty certain that the team that finished eighth was going to be like some like, like wet fish flopping around on the jetty, you know, just like <laughs> but barely breathing and clearly about to die. Yeah. But instead, there's four... Well, there's three very exciting teams and the Spurs <laughs> and the Suns who are, like, right in the thick of things. But it looks like it's going to be one of Memphis, exciting, mm. Jar and Triple J. Uh, yeah, rookies in the playoffs are always fun. And then it's going to be... It's either be them, um, the Zion, Ingram, Pelicans. The Zion, Ingram, Lonzo, Ball, Pelicans. Drew Holiday. Why nah. is he the fourth guy? <laughs> Get that bloke. You, oh, you mean Justin Holiday's brother? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. That's the one. Um, or these Blazers, like you know, and I, I kind of want to see Lillard in the playoffs because you know, like if there's one player this year who's shown he can go supernova, mm. it's him. Also, there was a great video that I saw a few days ago um, that was like captions of the Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard beef, mm. where. Yeah. Dame was like, doesn't Dame fouls Westbrook hard, and then he's like, doesn't matter, you're a sixty percent free throw shooter. Westbrook goes eighty three, and then misses the free throw, and Dame was like, like I said, sixty percent. And then Westbrook goes, where are you in the playoff seating? Twelfth. And then Dame was like, I'm the last person you want to see in the playoffs. And I was like, Russell Westbrook, go home. Yeah, go home, and also vacate your All Star spot and give it to someone more deserving. Yeah. yeah. Like John Morant. Is it um? <laughs> Um, um, I would love to see like a Rockets Blazers matchup. At, like I don't know, maybe the Blazers finish eighth and they beat the Lakers and then they play the Rockets in the second round. Who knows? Yeah, look, I, I'm not gonna. You know, that's a lot to bank on saying that the Lakers are gonna lose in the first round. But if they can somehow, like I'm looking at it now, they are seven games behind in the loss column to the Thunder. If they can get up to that seventh seed, um, and this is with any of these guys in this range, if they can get to the seventh seed and face, like, a Clippers, Denver, or Utah. Um, probably not the Clippers, but if you can face, like, a young Denver mm. team, mm. this might just be like last season with this Denver team went to seven games against the Spurs. So mm. I think if you can get Dame in there and just, like, try your best, um, Jamal Murray and Torrey Craig to defend Dame, that can just yeah. pop for 60. Well, I mean, just bank on your playoff experience, and they'll have Nurk back at mm. some point. If, if they make the playoffs, Nurk will be playing in the postseason. Mm. So that's... Like, all the more reason that's going to make the stretch run for the eight seed so interesting because you have two young teams that are just, like, loaded with ascendant talent and then you have this team that kind of, like, look like they were out of it and all of a sudden you're being reminded, like, how good their best player is. He, yeah, I don't know, 49 points a game over his last six. Like, that's... Yeah, and it's not like when James Harden gets his 50 points and it's on 48 shots. It's not like yeah. one of those where he's just jacking up heaps. He is... Yeah been extremely efficient i think there's one game where he's below 50 percent field goal percentage so yeah well he's shooting uh 55 from the field 57 from three and 94 from the line so love it a solid 55 50 i'm no statistician but that's pretty good that's a lot of numbers um and also 
getting into what we really want to talk about in this podcast, which is prepping prepping for the trade deadline, because next week this league might look completely different. There could either be, you know, a million trades or there could just be Julius Randle on a different team. Like we don't know what, what might happen, but um, Portland are definitely in the mix there. And if they can find any way to get off uh, Hassan Whiteside, that can only bode for them winning more games. Hassan Whiteside is like the all-time like stats don't match player because he's leading the league in blocks and he's grabbing like 14 boards a game Mm. so on paper you'd be like yeah pretty good but it's pretty clear when you like watch him play that he like doesn't do a whole lot that contributes to winning yeah he just on like a play by play basis and if he's going to be defending like if he's going to be playing the centre for let's say 50 possessions a night and he gets what is it two and a half blocks Mm. you know that's two and a half possessions he's like actually made an impact on um you, i mean numerically numerically anyway um then like you know that's that's very little compared to the whole you know the whole grand scheme of things but if the, i'll direct you to a video after the pod which is probably not great great radio <laughs> um but ben taylor from thinking basketball had this video where you know he addressed the question of who's better rudy gobert or, or Hassan whiteside when they both average very similar block numbers so i'll show you that after the pod yeah Sounds good. All right, now uh, let's get into what we wanted to talk about. I think we just had to uh, address Dame because that is incredible what he's doing. Um, the, As we said, the trade deadline is upon us. By the time we speak next week, the league's going to be looking different. And yeah, there's been a lot of buzz. I'm very excited to look at my phone every single time I get a little buzz, pardon the pun, because you know something's happening every single time. And I think the news of today was that Clint Compello was on the market which is stupid. That's what I think. What do you think? I think it's weird. Why do you think it's stupid? Do you think they should just keep him? If you look at all the proposed trade packages, so the report was um, from Adrian Wojnarowski uh, that they are speaking with Eastern Conference teams, which is the Hawks and the Celtics, um, after reports afterwards. And it's like, Let's say you're trading with the Hawks, right? I, I put together a little package here, um, and a package that would work with the Hawks would be Jabari Parker and Alex Len, and then maybe there's some draft compensation there as well, right? Let's say, so you're getting Alex Len back, and it's like, that's great. That is, he can still play center, and you've just sort of downgraded at the center spot, but you've dodged the tax, so maybe there's Tillman for Tita, like, you know, sticking his dirty little fingers in there. His dirty little fingers. I, you know, the dude that has the book. He uh, doesn't clean his fingernails. <laughs> I reckon he doesn't. So let's say let's say that, that trade is, like, the worst trade you can make because, you know, out of the two teams available. Um, then there's Boston, and Boston, a, a, you know, a potential trade package if they don't give up Marcus Smart, which... Most likely they wouldn't because, you know... They, all the reports are that they don't want to. They don't want to. So that would be Daniel Tice, Vincent Poirier, Semi Ojale, and Brad Wanamaker. Um, and you can, you know, sub out one of those guys and throw in Romeo Langford, who I know you definitely don't like at all. Um, and obviously they've got some picks to throw around there as well. But, like, no matter what happens, this Houston team is contending for a title this year. Um, you know, future first-round pick or Memphis pick this year or whatever Atlanta pick, you know, that's not going to win them a title this year. Um, and every single player you're getting back, like every single hypothetical player, is like a Daniel Tice or an Alex Len, and they are a clear downgrade on Clint Capella. So, you know, there's no real reason to do this apart from dodging the tax and getting like a little bit more money off your books, which is Tillman for Titter and his dirty fingers. Dirty little fingers. See, I th- 
I think it kind of can go another way. Uh, the, like the dirty little secret that like kind of runs through this whole like, and it is pretty weird. Like kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this whole Capella scenario, they're actually better offensively and defensively with him off the floor mm. this this season. Um, his defensive numbers, he's still averaging two blocks a game, 1.8, but his defensive numbers are like down. It's the same sort of thing that we just talked about with Whiteside where it's like, if someone like Gobert alters, you know, like 50 shots a game and maybe like a Capella or a Whiteside alters 20, but they mm. still get their hands on, you know, two or yeah, three of them. Yeah, the yeah. block numbers look good, but the overall defensive numbers are actually bad. Mm. The best the best lineups that um, the Rockets have had this year and for the past few years is the Tucker at yeah. the five yeah, yeah. lineup. If you traded, I don't know, those two trades that you just mentioned before, I don't think that if they were to trade him, it would be for a package like that because, like, yeah, if you trade him for Len... Then, yeah, you, who was it? It was Len. It was Len and Jabari Parker. Len and Jabari Parker. So, you, Len, you know. <laughs> in, two relative zeros. <laughs> yeah, Len in theory, I mean, it's just like a body that can play center. He's yeah. not good, but he's fine. Jabari Parker is good, but probably doesn't necessarily fit what Houston wants to do offensively. Well, Although they have shown the, the abilities. In the playoffs, what are they going to do with him? Is he going to play 15, game, 15 minutes or not? Yeah, well, maybe. But better that, but better that if they're not going to play Capella anyway because they're better with him off the floor. Then, but you can't better that you get Jabari Parker for fifteen minutes. But you can't start um, PJ Tucker at center. Just like no. Well, they'll finish. Draymond. They'll finish with PJ Tucker. You start with Len at center, and he put Len or like Isaiah Hartenstein at center, and they play like you know they play a combination of twenty minutes a game, and you pay you play PJ Tucker twenty minutes a game, and then the other eight you figure it out. The thing that I had heard in some of the reporting because I thought it was so weird I did a bit of digging mm. so there's the initial report from Woj that they're shopping him and then there's the stuff that comes out like they're dealing with Eastern Conference teams which is also a weird way to word it but keep going what I had heard was that they are looking to get a pick back for him mm-hmm. um, and so they would be looking into like a centre for centre swap if they're talking Boston like maybe it's like you know maybe it is Tice's contract and and, the, the, and the like Memphis pick, which yeah, is currently and, sitting at fifteenth. Yeah, and something like that. And then they want to flip that pick for a wing, and the the wing who everybody wants is Covington. Mm. Apparently, Minnesota is asking for two firsts, which is obviously ridiculous. But if you got like a if you got like a decent pick, like a mid first, and like another young player, like I don't know, like a pick and Hartenstein for for Covington, it's fairly decent value. So I think that's what. Mm. Maury would be trying to swing for it. It would be kind of like the trade that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, which trade was it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You're the one talking. But God, it was the Alan Crab trade. Oh, yeah. It was the Alan Crab trade where it seemed like there was going to be another Something move. else in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. The, it would only be made if you know, you know, there was another thing that they knew that they had coming. Yeah, yeah. So if Capella gets traded and there's a pick involved, that pick is not being made it's by Houston. It's, it's going, yeah. it's going straight, straight back out. But oh. yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I, like I don't know. I'm confused because I don't know if Capella is that good, but I also don't think you can get value back for how good he is. Yeah. Well. All right. So there's a lot to break down right there. Mm. Back to the point about PJ Tucker Center. Mm. Like that is their best lineup, and that is the lineup that's going to win them a championship if they do win a championship this year. 
But I think you can't just say, all right, well, look, obviously, obviously you have to play a center to start the game. And let's say that is 20 minutes. So let's say you're going to play half and half PJ at the, at the five for 24 minutes and then 24 minutes of center play. And it's fine to say like, yes, Alex Len is a center sized person, but you're better off just standing pat and playing Clint Capella who, yeah, his numbers are down this season, but he's still pretty much all around a better player than Alex Len. And you'd rather just we you know be better for those starting minutes and then yes he's not going to finish the game and neither is Alex Len but in a vacuum you've just got the better player if you just keep Capella for the first half of the game yeah but they so another thing that I was reading and I want to attribute it correctly I think it was Paolo Ugetti from the ringer was saying that Capella's best years which was two years best like like two year or like 18 month stretch was um the first half of last year and the year before, yeah. which coincided with, with when they had Chris Paul and they were just running tons of pick and roll. And he, that's great because he's a pick and roll, yeah, like rim roller. Yeah. He's a finisher. But now that Paul was gone and they're effectively playing hard and iso ball on like an unprecedented amount of... Yeah, he's a bit... He's, he's, he's yeah. limited because he can't... He doesn't have the skill set to contribute in an offense like that. Mm. So his his role is effectively like sit in the dunker spot and like maybe every now and then get a dump off. But mm. him sitting in the dunker spot allows him to... Like allows his defender to just yeah, sit in, in someone's way. Yeah. And he's not an like elite offensive rebounder. And he's also not like a hugely good finisher like... I don't know, like a Gobert or like a Mitchell Robinson who if, if you put it near the rim, like it's going in. Yeah, you can just throw it near. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's, he's not elite at the things that he needs to be elite at and he's not good at the things that allow the Rockets' offense to be unlocked. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if they could if they could somehow get, you know, like a backup center on another team, like a Tice or a Len, and then flip a pick for Covington. Yeah. They're a better team. Because you know, th- oh, like, that closing lineup with Covington in place of like who's to say you got Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Covington, who's playing the four probably Semi Ojale. Let's say they yeah, or if they did, if they yeah, PJ Tucker. It might even be Covington at the four and like Daniel House at the three. Yeah, sorry, I completely forgot about him. Um, so that, that's I mean that's a five out lineup. The thing is just like when you meet like Denver in the playoffs like not only like who's defending Jokic but like who's defending Paul Millsap like maybe Paul Millsap's like a little bit past it but do you really want to go with Daniel House in the post against Paul Millsap I mean maybe you do and you're just like alright we'll take the second best big on every team we play and like make you make that player beat us Maybe they're comfortable saying to Paul Millsap, like, beat us. Or maybe yeah, they're comfortable, you know, like, if they play... Um, no, if Paul Millsap beats you in a seven-game series, then just, like, clap your hands and say, well, yeah. we've just blown the last five years yeah. as well. But, yeah, that no, that is true. And they do need someone who can stop, you know, the best players in the league, which are Kawhi Leonard and the Paul Georges and LeBrons of the world. And Robert Covington can do that. Um, should we just keep on going and then just keep talking about Robert Covington then? Yeah. Um, it's funny... Well, it's not funny at all, actually. It's quite sad, but... Um, <laughs> that was a... That was an um, about face. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Minnesota have said that they want... Um, they want two first-round picks for Robert Covington, which is absurd. I don't know who gets two first-round picks. That isn't a superstar. Um, and I've written here that is a really weird way to spell D'Angelo because, like, do they, you know, is that why they couldn't get a Golden State deal done because they wanted two first-round picks um, alongside D'Angelo Russell? So, like, if 
if Minnesota say, all right, well, look, we've we've put up this preposterous price just to tell people that he's untouchable so that at the end of next season, at the end of this season, we can try and get D'Angelo Russell back once Golden State figures out that it's not going to work with um, Steph, Clay, and Russell. Um, I think it would be really hard for them. Let's say Houston does make that trade and they then they turn around and offer um, like Nene... Uh, let's say it is for Romeo Langford and Boston's first round pick and I think Houston can offer their own first round pick in 2023 I think that's the next available pick or something like far off in the future let's say they do say alright we're going to give you Romeo Langford in theory a prospect um, salary matching in Nene and um, those two first round picks like if you're Minnesota do you do it? Well it depends where you view yourself because well, and I have a feeling that they view themselves not as the 14th best team in the West, which is what, what they currently are. Um, because if they get those, like just reading the tea leaves, if they get those two first round picks, they're immediately trading those two first round picks for D'Angelo Russell. Like if yeah, yeah. whether it happens now, whether it happens in the off season, like that's where they're going with those two first round picks. That's mm. just the ammunition that they that they feel like they need to get. So... If you were going to take on, like, Romeo Langford, who has not... Take on? Poor dude. It's been, like, four months. No, no, no. I mean, it has been four (laughs) months, but also he's shown nothing, and... He has been injured, and he has been in and out of the G League. And he can't shoot. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, that last one is quite a big pickle. Yeah. And when I say he can't shoot, like, he really can't shoot. Like, maybe (laughs) maybe Ben Simmons is a better shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... Ben Simmons hasn't made a shot outside the paint in a month and a half. Weird but true. Anyway, keep going. So, uh, no, I don't think I don't think I would. But like, if they if if Mini views themselves that way, then you know, like that they're gonna immediately just flip those for Russell or or keep those picks for Russell, then then fine. But I suspect that it's some combination of them, you know, like not realizing how bad they are. Well, um, well, then you need to look at it through the lens of you're giving up Robert Covington and your own first round pick either this year or next year. Um, and, you know, let's just say you never even touch, like you can't actually touch them, but let's say you never touch those picks that come through your mm. coffers. They're going straight to um, Golden State and D'Angelo. Mm. So you're giving up Covington and one first round pick. That is all you're seeing leave mm. your team. Covington mm. and a first round pick for D'Angelo Russell. It's huge, huge value because yeah. Covington is good, but he's overblown like yeah just because he's like the ideal forward in this yeah well i mean he he yeah he he's what you want at your three and sometimes your four position like definitely but the dude averages 12 points a game like you know he spaces the floor the threat of him shooting is elite but he he's not paul george what does he take like five three-point shots a game yeah no brooke lopez takes more you know like he's not some he's like, not a world beater. Yeah, so I mean, that's why it's an absolutely ridiculous asking price that yeah. they would be like, we need two first round picks for this bloke. But I mean, like, if they can get it, if they, well, I mean, like, they can't. Like, no one's going to do it. But maybe someone. Didn't you say that the, Clint, the Rockets would do it if they can get this Clint Capella deal through? Yeah. Would they just send those that pick that they get back for Clint Capella right to Minnesota? Yeah, but I don't think they would send two. Why not? Because it's like... This is their year to win. Yeah, but like I just said... Does that bring them closer to a title? No, it it does. But it doesn't bring them close enough to a title to justify getting rid of two picks. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) think, think about it this way. 
if they even have the two picks, which is a gross overpay for Covington, like a good, like a, a good fair offer for Covington is probably like a good, a decent first round pick that's going to be between 15 and 23 and an okay player who makes salaries match. That's at this point with Mini being, you know, like 15 games back of the... Yeah, it should be laughing. You know, they'll yeah. be like, all right, well, we can take it. Like, mm. we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll get what we can get. Houston sitting on another pick that they got and their own pick, you could do so much more with that. Like, that's the crux of, like, a deal for someone who's much better than Covington. That's the crux of a deal for, like, you know, not that they would ever do so that it would work, but, like, with the assets that they've got and those two picks, like, their own and the one that they get in mm-hmm. exchange for Capella, like, you could then, in theory, trade for D'Angelo Russell mm-hmm. or, like, you know, like, someone else who's younger, better than Covington. Like, you don't need to overpay for Covington now. They're already the yeah. four seed. Yeah. And they're clearly good enough to jump up to the, th- the two or the three. Like, they're not at that level of the Lakers, but they've proven that they're in the same stratosphere as the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets, their main competition. Trading all of that for Covington would make you better now, but it would also be like, what's the opportunity cost of, like, if you trade for Covington, then congratulations, you've got Covington, but you can't do any other trades. Like that's the move, yeah. Because that that locks them in. That does, lock and you're them locked in. in, and with Harden, Westbrook, Westbrook's contract, no center. <laughs> like you know, what's the move from there if it doesn't work? Which it probably won't, because Covington, whilst he's good, he, he does, yeah, well, he's shooting thirty five percent from three. You know, like on a team where he is the one of the only two players on the floor that can shoot threes with him in town. Yeah, so they're definitely keying in on him for sure. But like, I don't know, two first round, <laughs> two first round picks for if I it's huge. All right, well, if I was Houston, um, I wouldn't be trading Capella for the reasons I mentioned before. Yeah, um, but if I did happen, if <laughs> dirty fingers Tillman Fratita made me trade Capella. I would, without thinking about it, trade for Covington because it's great for you to say, like, yes, well, instead of trading, <coughs> instead of trading these assets to Minnesota to flip them to D'Angelo Russell, why don't you just don't give them to Minnesota and find that next level player? Yeah. I just don't think that next level player is out there this year, and they want to win a championship this year. Yeah, like I mean, Marcus why not? Morris? <laughs> I mean, Marcus Morris on the Rockets, like, I like it. Mm. I like it, but he's not stopping Kawhi. No, he's not. But yeah, and he's. Neither oh, Covington. But he could. Nah, there's yeah. no way. I would much rather trust... The two players who they're looking at being like, let's bring in a stopper for these players is Kawhi and LeBron. Yeah. And Covington's not even stopping Paul George. Like, you know, oh, Paul George in a down year. disrespecting nah. Bob Covington. Nah, Bob Covington is a good player and he's regularly among the lead leaguers, league leaders in steals and deflections, yeah. which is, you know, hectic. But Kawhi <laughs> Leonard and LeBron James are like two levels above. Offensively, they're two levels above where he is defensively. There's only a few players over the last, like, 10 years who could stop him, who like could stop Andre those players. Like, Rajabella. Yeah, Andre Iguodala, maybe like 2012 Tony Allen, you know, like. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree because I disagree with you. Yeah. I think Robert Covington just is feel that like guy. Two picks for Covington so that you can get him and then he does a slightly better job than the player you had before at defending, <laughs> at defending yeah. Kawhi. But then Kawhi still puts up 34. Like, well, congratulations, you just played yourself. 
I still reckon it's it's like that first um, Golden State Cavs series where LeBron was putting up like fifty points, forty points. Like he was absolutely he was killing it without Kevin Love mm. and Kyrie Irving. But they had Andre Iguodala on him, and every single one of his games, he was like below fifty percent shooting. Like he was he was putting up these amazing numbers, and he was still being the great LeBron. But he was just being the great LeBron with five extra shots. He was robbed of the Finals MVP. He was robbed of the Finals MVP. But I think that's what Robert Covington does because we know that when it comes down to it, like Kawhi is going to just do a hop, step, and a jump and shoot that ridiculous shot over Joel Embiid. And it was great defense. And it, the shot just went in because that's what happens in basketball. Like people like Kobe Bryant, the shot just goes in. But I think throughout the game, someone like Robert Covington um, will, you know, he'll still get his 35 points. Kawhi will, but it'll be on a little bit less efficiency. And I think on a team where you have to win a championship this year. Like, after this year, it's getting really grim for Houston. Like, you know, both your two dominant ball handlers are on the wrong side of 30 and dominant ball handlers. Um, And, you know, you've got no future assets to trade apart from, like, four years down the line. And you've got, you know, it's it's looking pretty grim after this year. And I think think that getting Bob Covington increases your chance if by, like, 1%, I think you need to take it. But then again, for us arguing about this, right, we need Capello to get moved for an asset and then for Minnesota to like those assets that they're getting in return. Like well, that's why they want the pick, because they'll like the pick. Because yeah. they know the Warriors will like the pick. Yeah, because there's, so, there's like two... And like, you know, we're already going through two ifs, right? But are you sure that the Warriors want to go in with their own pick, let's say it's third, and then the Grizzlies pick, which let's say it's 14th? Like, do they want to go in and say, all right, we've got two picks... Um, let's go draft dudes and build a championship and then they're, they're going to say well hang on we're going for a title now we need to trade these two picks and then where are those two picks going like are they trading for like Kyle Anthony Towns <laughs> well I mean <laughs> we talked about it before like the a few weeks ago like the, <laughs> the like mental gymnastics that are going on because like you know the Warriors want Towns and the oh yeah that's, and yeah. you know like <laughs> we're getting into a bit of conjecture but like no, like no they won't trade for Towns but they'll do what the Cavs did for years where they're like alright well we've got a lottery pick let's who are we trading for and then it's like alright sick if you did get like say the third pick and the 14th pick for D'Angelo Russell your lineup is all of a sudden um Curry, Clay, Dre, fill the rest out, you know, Looney and then whoever you want at the three. Damien, Damien Lee at the three. Alec that. Burks at the three. <laughs> but they either draft like a, you know, a, a, a huge rookie, like a great rookie, or they trade that. And the third overall pick, like historically speaking, when a pick that high has been traded for a player, it nets you like... The, like Wiggins for love it's like the first pick for you know you got Kevin Love Pete Kevin Love yeah, in return yeah, yeah. when the Nets traded for Darren Williams the centerpiece of the trade was the number three pick which was Derek Favors so yeah. that pick can get you an all NBA level player and it's like well if you just listed that that team with like Curry Thompson Dre and then like an above average center in Looney and then another all NBA level player or maybe you trade it for like you know the equivalent of like Robert Covington Robert Covington and like another good player yeah, you know like, like the next Daniel House yeah but then you know you're losing a lot of value with the third pick let's say again yeah but I then just, I yeah. just think so like you know I love having this chat about you we're going through all the different permeations we've started off with Boston going to Houston going to the Timberwolves going to the Golden State but I just think Golden State um, being you know they're at the hard cap right now but the next season 
X, Y, and Z is going to happen, but they're still going to be quite capped out paying two dudes a max salary and playing, paying Draymond near a max. So when they've got these two picks, like let's say it again, so they've got three and 14, and they want to move that for Kevin Love. They don't have the space to take in Kevin Love and they don't have an outgoing salary to match a Kevin Love salary. Like they, and obviously it's not going to be Kevin Love because he can't even get like two second round picks right now. But they don't have the salary to send out to bring back in another salary. That salary is D'Angelo Russell. So they can't that, get... That salary is D'Angelo Russell. And you're going to get and that, goes, and that goes out. But then the thing to think about is like, all right, either you just make that pick and you, you that you draft Excellent someone who you're going to be playing, you know, paying $7 million a year for the first year. Like that'll keep you under the cap. Or you use Draymond as that salary. And so you go Draymond and the third overall pick for name top 15 player. You know? Yeah. I don't know who the player is, yeah. but if Draymond's salary is sitting at 25, so Draymond yeah. and a combination of other players on the roster you can get anywhere. Yeah, you can get anyone. And you send, out that, you send out that pick. Like Draymond, a few players to match salaries, and the third overall pick is like, that's pretty fucking huge. That's I just don't think they're trading Draymond. No, neither do I. But they have that number, and the dude's averaging nine points a game. So, but so going through that, going through what we just talked about for twenty five minutes, right? <laughs> How crazy is it that you know? Let's say okay, we can both understand each other other's argument, mm. but I think where it stops is at Golden State. Yeah, I think that's because what are they going to do with two picks when they want to win a title next season? And like, yeah, it's great. You can like, all right, let's convert the picks and draft Lamelo Ball. Let's say. But from all accounts, there is no Zion Williamson. There is no Ja Morant. You've just got, this is a, quote, weak draft. And, like, yes, the last week draft had Giannis and Rudy Gobert in it. But, like, yeah, but you, heading into yeah, it, not it's at, the Anthony not at the draft. Top. And, yeah. you know, none of those guys, whether that be Giannis or Rudy Gobert or even Victor Oladipo, they weren't going to help the championship team on their first season. Yeah, but, I mean, like, what are, what are we? We're six months out. Six months before the biggest moves have happened, like, you know, six months before the news breaks that X player is unhappy, you had no idea. Yeah. Six yeah. months before the news breaks, you have no idea. So you didn't know six months before Melo was unhappy in Denver that he was unhappy. You didn't know, like, that mm. LeBron was coming and so they were going to trade the first overall pick for Kevin Love, you know? Yeah. Like, not, I don't know, like... I don't think Melo knew that he was unhappy until he realized how much money he can make. Yeah. <laughs> do they Beal come, comes available do they end up with that pick and then they trade it for Beal do they you know any, making like, me smile with that yeah, one that, anything could happen like and there's yeah. there's no one who's like obviously available now but like you know to the point like you don't know who's available until they're available well speaking of you don't know who's available until they're available I'm gonna get into some crazy conspiracy theory mm. and um, on the Golden State Warriors jersey from the last two seasons the town you know how it's got the Oakland tree yeah. the circle yeah um, that exact tattoo that exact thing that exact like tree mm-hmm. is tattooed it's on called the tree. world tree it's yeah, from cool. Norse mythology it's tattooed on Damian Lillard's chest because he's from Oakland yeah maybe he just loves he does Norse love mythology Oakland. Well, he got it because he's from Oakland. It's called Yggdrasil. He wears the letter letter zero. Old Norse. Sick. Yeah. Did you learn that when you went over and did the whole um, United Kingdom thing? No, I've I've known that for... Just follow basketball. (laughs) I've known that for years. Mm. Name drop. Knowledge Mm. drop. No, well, I didn't know about it through Oakland. I know about it because when I was nine years old, I'm reading about Norse mythology. Cool. Ragnarok's pretty cool. 
Ragnarok is um isn't that Thor? Yeah, well, it was Norse mythology for thousands of years before it was a fucking Marvel movie, but whatever. <laughs> All right, anyway, so, uh, we've just talked about my team getting Damian Lillard, and I think we've gone too far with that. So let's get into your team. Slightly less exciting. Um, the Phoenix Suns are going after Detroit's Luke Kennard, um, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. And let's go straight to you, the Phoenix fan. What are your thoughts on getting... Um, most improved player candidate. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I, I like it. I think that Luke Kennard's a good player. And I've said it on the pod before that I have really fond memories of like the one year that Luke Kennard was at Duke. It was like the Austin Rivers year. And no, it was later. It was later. much later. I can't remember. There was someone else on that Duke team who was like the, he was the drafted, star. He was drafted in 2016. It was Jabari Parker. I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, there was someone else on the team who was like supposed to be really, really good and ended up going really high. But like watching the games, it was quite clear that Kennard was the best player on the team. And he just, he, you know, he um spent that year curling around screens and then just popping ridiculous threes or taking like, you know, like a hesitation jumper. Um, at the elbow and then came to the league and forgot how to shoot and this year he's kind of like gotten back to the player the exact kind of player he was in college and I'm into it he's um, averaging 16-4-4 four four. he's shooting just under 40% from three so I like it but the report is that we're looking at giving up a first round pick and if we Jason Tatum was the other guy on that team it was Jason Tatum or yeah. Harry Giles yeah or Frank, um, or Frank Jackson. Anyway, as you were. <laughs> so, if um, yeah, if we give up our pick, right? Which you've astutely noted that it's going to be twelfth if the season ended today. Sick. Well, what if it ends up being seventh? You know, mm-hmm. not that I want another lottery pick because a we don't fucking know what to do with them. But it's like <laughs> if you ask me, would I rather have the seventh overall pick in the draft or Luke Kennard? I'd probably rather have the seventh overall pick and Kennard's missed half of the season with injuries so you know like yeah he's putting up the career numbers and he's providing the exact kind of skill set that we could use like another shooter in our offense another dude for Rubio to find you know Mm. spotting up for above the break three on the fast break like hectic but what if he you know doesn't come back at full strength from this injury and it's like well would you rather have Luke Kennard from the previous three years or the seventh overall pick and it's like well you know obviously now I'd still rather the seventh so I'm nervous I look um, again I'm going to have to disagree with you because I think what you're giving up is the trade would you know you can get it done with Elia Kobo uh, Javon Carter and that first round pick which yep it's 12 at the moment also poetic justice that is where he was drafted 12th um, so you're going to give up those two players who are in the rotation but you know you can definitely upgrade on their position so by doing this you're definitely upgrading on that position and you're going to be a better player uh, sorry a better team so mm. And I was also just thinking of lineups with, like, imagine Rubio, Canard, Booker, Ubrain, Aiton, or, you know, you can get rid of um, just pretty much any lineup that has, um, what's his name, Miles Bridges. Just replace him. Mikhail. Mikhail, that's the one. Um, get rid of Mikhail Bridges, who's a good defender, um, not as great a shooter, and just mm. add in this better shooter. Again, yeah. someone else for Rubio to find more space. Yeah, well, I mean, Canard's, like, he's going to be on the bench. He's going to be our sixth or seventh man. Like, he's going to be like Buddy Heald. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> but um, I think that makes you a better team. So it's 
you know, you're going to win more games. It's not going to be the yeah, 12th but, pick. But yeah. And no, you- but like it might though, because like he's been injured for half the season and he's not, he wasn't injured for the first half and now he's come back lights out. He's been injured the last 22 games. He hasn't played since like December. So if he doesn't come back until, you know, like the end of February and we've traded for him and then he's missed a month after that and we only get him for like, you know, 18 games... Sure, if we go 10 and 8 in those 18 games, hectic. Well, you know, now our pick is going to be 10. If he doesn't come back or he's not as good, I don't know. Like, it does. It is a world in which you could be trading this, you know, like a pick that could be in the 5 to 10 range if things really crater for us, which is possible because we're one injury away to Devin Booker from being a very bad team. And if he's not good, or if he, even if he is good, and it's like, well, Booker, Ubre, Rubio, and Aiton are all better than him. Like you're trading the seventh pick for a fifth guy who's because of the positional logjam, like he's gonna be coming off the bench. Does he bring you closer to a championship? Yeah, he does, but it's like it's the same thing with Alright, no. Uh, it's the yeah. same thing where it's like if you're not one Luke Kennard away, then sure, you get Luke Kennard and you're closer to a championship, but it's like, what could also bring you close to the championship is hitting on that seventh pick. And getting and Cam Johnson. It, yeah. Well, or getting Josh Jackson. Or getting DeAndre yeah. Ayton. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, Remember I how you opened up this episode being like, well, hold on. <laughs> Bad things have happened to me as a Warriors fan. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I really like this trade. I think that you know, if everything goes right, which you hope everything can go right, you know, Luke Kennard is on the next championship team because I think he's a player who's young enough who, you know, this is a breakout year, maybe not most improved as you laughed at me before. Um, but no, I do really like this. And he's a good player and I don't hate it. Like if it happened, I would be, if it happened, I'd, I'd be easily able to talk myself into it. But it's just like, like I said at the top of the episode, I am... <laughs> Hesitant as a Suns fan about hoping for good things, about hoping that draft picks or trades or free agent signings work out because they don't. They but just this- don't. The only player who we, who has worked out that we drafted in the last, like literally since I've been a Suns fan, <laughs> is Devin Booker. Yeah. Can I just tell you like the first three first round picks that we made? Can I guess them? Yeah. So three years before Booker. No, no this is like this is like from two thousand and nine onwards. Poor. Can't guess it. I'll give you a hint. One of them is Robin Lopez. You know, the other one's Earl Clark. Oh, yeah. Who's the other one? Uh, I don't know. I just picked three like <laughs> off the top of my head. But like these are the sorts of yeah, players okay. we traded up for Marquise Chris. Yeah. And we took Dragon Bender. Had a really good week. We took Dragon Bender at four. You know, like so again, yeah. Like if we keep the pick, like maybe we spend it on a player like that. But also like every single trade we've ever made has turned out badly it's sort of like cashing out in a bit early though because instead of having the chance of like yes you might get Devin Booker at 14 again or you might get you know insert Suns player here yeah it's you get, like you've got this guy quantity. that you yeah he's a no quantity yeah. I, I love that I'll finish it by saying this if Kennard like is healthy for the rest of the year and plays like he's played in Detroit then yeah, I'd hundred percent give up a late lottery pick for him. I think that's I think that's fine. I'm just nervous that one of the three things that needs to go right won't go right. Yeah. And if one of them doesn't go right, if he's not healthy or he doesn't play like it was in Detroit or we keep losing games, then the the asset that we gave up is 
you know, just inflated. Um, <laughs> but like I said, like I do like Luke Kennard. If we yeah. made the trade, I'd talk myself into it and be like, you don't want to defend Cam Johnson and Luke Kennard in the same second unit offense. Yeah. I'd be like, hectic. Like, sons. Like, you know, the value oh. of the three-pointer. But I'm I'm just nervous. All right. Um, I'll just be the good impartial person and just talk about Detroit for a second. Why are you giving up this guy who you drafted at 12th, um, developed him for three years, he somewhat broke out, just to get the 12th pick again? Because they want to play Bruce Brown. Oh, yes, my bad. Um, and Kyrie Thomas. All right, on to the next one. Uh, today, a juicy bit of news um, was that uh, Andre Godala says that he's, pre- he's prepared to sit out the entire season if he isn't traded to one of his desired teams, which... There's a couple of layers here. The first one is um, Dylan Brooks tweeted out today and said that I hope he gets traded so that we can play him and show him what Memphis is all about, unquote, which is sick. And then you and I just looked up the road, um, just looked up the uh, upcoming um, upcoming schedule for the Memphis Grizzlies. And after, in between the trade deadline and March 1st, um, the Grizzlies play uh, both LA teams and they play the Lakers twice. So we could definitely see this really soon. Um, but this sort of, by Andre Iguodala saying that this was through the athletic, it also sort of depresses his value and makes him less likely to get traded because now if you're Portland, for example, if you're a team that wasn't on his, you know, quote list, then you're sitting there going like, well, what are we going to, why are we going to trade for him if he's literally, it's not even like he's a rental, like you're trading him for him not to play whatsoever. Like, so you go from getting like a, you know, yeah, like I said, a rental to getting absolutely nothing. He will, like, realistically, he will play. If he was traded to Portland, like, he'd play. What if he was traded to, what if, because if you're Memphis, you're just looking at getting anything for him. You just want to pick. What if you trade him to Detroit, for example, like a random team like that, and they give up, like, you know, Kyrie Thomas. But but Detroit wouldn't offer. But what if, what if... There's no way that a a team that's not in the playoff picture is... Is offering, but what if the returns like um, Elliot Cobra, something like that? Yeah, what but we we wouldn't trade, but you know, like we wouldn't do it. Exactly. So now he's now his trade value is depressed. But we wouldn't do it anyway. I reckon, we wouldn't but, trade. Nah, we wouldn't trade for Igadal. We don't like necessarily need what he is like. Who do I think is going to be better at defending an elite small forward in the playoffs? Demar Derozan. Iguodala or Mikhail Bridges I'll I'll take Mikhail Bridges you know it's a team like the like the Lakers that doesn't have that 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 forward defensive presence it's like you've got Avery Bradley or Caruso or LeBron himself Danny Green yeah Danny Green I'm like he's more of a point guard defender yeah Danny Green against Kawhi like I I don't want to see it yeah Um, so the teams that are going to be offering him that pick are going to be in the playoffs and it's like alright if he gets traded to the Blazers yeah they're not currently in the playoff picture but you you better believe he's playing like he wants to be in the playoffs and have a chance to win a ring and if he's like alright sick well like I'm going to um, yeah like I'm going to you know do like you know just sit out well you know good on you yeah joke's on him because you're in the fucking playoffs right now also he's in um He's a basketball player who's deciding not to play basketball for a year. Which, and he's still getting paid, which is like... He, ma- yeah, he's not getting punished by the league, do you? But yeah. that is because the Grizzlies said... So like, it's pretty... Fine. I was like taken aback by Dylan Brooks and John Morant's comments. I was like, whoa, it seems pretty weird to like go after Iggy like that. But then I'm thinking about it. It's like, it actually is pretty like poor behavior, like, like big picture. Because if you were Iggy and you were like, I'm getting paid $17 million a year... 
why don't I do what like countless other veterans have done and prove to be a good teammate and go out and like show the young players the way mm-hmm. like I know he's better than like a Jared Dudley but Jared Dudley's on the record as being like I like I take pride in being able to like show young players how to be professionals talk about like Vince Carter like Vince Carter accepted this role as like the you know gonna play 20 minutes a game and I'm gonna like show these young guys yeah, the way he's, and he's addicted to losing yeah or Vince yeah, Carter I know what you mean you know yeah. like you're Iggy you're getting paid 17 million dollars a year come out play half a season with this team show the young players how to play prove that you can like you know feasibly defend a wing scorer and someone will still trade for you he must be terrified <laughs> that he's gonna come out and people are gonna see that he's washed and no one will trade for him so he's gonna have to spend the rest of the season on the Grizzlies that's the only reason like that or he just really hates the organization. See, there's a third there's a third thing here that you haven't that you haven't mentioned, and I completely understand why, because I'm a Golden State fan. I listen to a lot of Golden State podcasts, and both SB Nation and The Athletic have said that they're getting a lot of rumors that Andre Iguodala is just going to finish the season on whatever LA team or Dallas, if that trade goes through, or even in Memphis, <coughs> and just re-sign with Golden State. That was his goal all along. And you think, like, that is, you know, that's hashtag light years by Golden State and Bob Myers to, like, convince someone to do that. But then you think back to something we just talked about. I can't remember if it was off or on air, where Marquise Chris, like, Golden State said, hey, we're going to cut you. Just sit down for a week. We're going to make this open roster spot and come back. So maybe Bob Myers has this, like, crystal ball in his room that can convince players to do completely, like, reckless financial things. So maybe... Like, you know, knowing that this has just happened with Marcus Chris on a tiny, tiny, you know, tiny scale, um, maybe like he really is, this was his plan to come back to Golden State all along, which it seemed like, it seems like such conjecture, but you know, everything I'm hearing is that he wants to come back to Golden State, whether he finishes in Memphis or LA. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like, fair enough, like hashtag light years, whatever, but <laughs> pretty, it's pretty poor behavior to be like, anyway. Oh, it's terrible behavior. I'm getting paid seventeen million dollars. Like, sure, sit out, but you should have to. You should have to forfeit your salary. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be able to get paid yeah. to 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 not report. Like, to literally not have played a game the entire season. I completely agree. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> question for you: If you were anybody, would you trade for Tristan Thompson? Um. Well, as anybody, yes, I would. It depends which person I was. Um, so yeah, according to Yahoo Sports and Chris Haynes, uh, Tristan Thompson's on the trading block after Kevin Love. <laughs> I hate the Cavs so much. After the, <laughs> after the the Cavs transition to quote asset accumulation mode unquote, um, after not being able to find a trade partner for Kevin Love because they were asking for way too much because Kevin Love isn't very good at basketball, apart from an overtime win against the New York Knicks. But you and I could probably put up you know close to twenty points. Um, all right, so Tristan Thompson. I think, look, if you look at all the available centers, there's Clint Capella. I think he's the cream of the crop if you want a center, like looking at you, Atlanta. Um, and then you've got like this morass of Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, you know, oh, Derek Favors probably not in there. Um, Derek Favors isn't available. And then, you know, half of the Knicks roster apart from Mitchell Robertson, right? Mm. I think of that lot, Tristan Thompson's the best player there. I think he's better than Andre Drummond, not or not only because of on the court, which you know it's questionable, but just because of his contract. Because you're going to have to pay Andre Drummond a max or close to a max after this season, um, and I think you'd much rather just get if you're. I've written here the Clippers. If you're a team like the Clippers who want to upgrade at center, 
or a team like Atlanta that you know want to bring in a veteran and like it's hard to call someone who dated a Kardashian is he still dating a Kardashian? No, I think they're broken up. Um, uh, it's hard to call him a, a veteran, but like he's been to the finals a lot of times, and I think that's worth something if you're trying to win a championship as a Clippers. But let me also preface this afterwards by saying that I don't like Tristan Thompson. And yeah, I don't think he helps you win a championship. I think LeBron won that championship. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he has one really elite skill, and that's his offensive rebounding. So, if you're a team that needs help on the glass at both ends, he could be a good get. Um, in a related, um, in a related point, if I told you that there was a player available who was out of all players who have logged minutes at center this year had the worst offensive rating and the second worst defensive rating would you trade for him I think if you were someone who like needed help let's say at the big man position and I said <laughs> I could get you a player with the worst offensive rating and the second worst defensive rating would you trade for him well that is very hard he's obviously on the Cavs yeah so like everyone's gonna look bad in the Cavs yeah it's true but that is quite bad it's terrible and rather? he's also like you know <laughs> um, hashtag stay woke conventional media has been like Tristan Thompson having an offensive breakout like mm. it's just he's got more opportunities yeah it's yeah. just like yeah um, yeah side note we discussed it off air before but I was just playing around with the defensive numbers on NBA's advanced stats and five of the six best individual defenders according to NBA's defensive rate NBA.com's defensive ratings played on the Bucks which you commented that makes sense wouldn't the best defensive team in the league have the best defensive players the inverse is true of the Cavs four of the six worst defensive players are on the Cavs yeah Um, so gross well alright Thompson would cost a first round pick and it's like I would probably just if I was Boston I'd rather have Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor if I was Atlanta, like, why are you trading for Tristan Thompson? He's an expiring. Why are you trading for Andre Drummond? He's expiring. Andre Drummond's going to pick up his option, though. Are you sure? Yeah. If he Andre goes... Drummond's not getting anything near 27 if he goes to market. Well, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. If he gets traded to Atlanta, and Atlanta have, well, you know, that, those talks have died down, but if he gets traded somewhere, and, you know, they've the team has invested assets in a trade for him, and then, you know, he declines that option and looks him in the eyes and says, all right, can you give me more money? And they say no. And then, like, you know, he proverbially looks in their pockets and says, well, you've got, you know, nearly $60 million in spare money. Like, you can only sign one Vince Carter for a balloon payment. Like, where else are you spending that money? Yeah, but what's going to happen if he says... What will happen if he says... Um, like, if he declines that option and then says, pay me more money, they're going to be like, we don't want to pay you... 22 a year and he's going to be like well fine I'll go get it elsewhere and then he'll go elsewhere and no one will pay him even 20 and he'll be like well fuck like you know he's only this is the point I made when we had that big discussion about him a few weeks ago he's only 26 Mm. so if he takes another year at 27 like you know 20 million dollars a year is going to be there for him whether he's 26 or 27 you know like you better just you better just take that extra year um at 27 so any team who trades for him is getting him for 18 months versus if you trade for Tristan Thompson you're getting him for the next six and like I'm sorry but if Tristan Thompson's your starting center you're probably not going to go very far in the playoffs I feel like I'm being mean to Tristan Thompson because historically I do actually quite like him but I would love him if he wasn't getting paid 18 million dollars a year yeah 
Well, I mean, he's an expiring, like, whatever. <laughs> well, I think we should transition into the Clippers. Um, and should the Clippers do something um, to upgrade at the center spot? So they've got movable salaries in Mo Harkless, Rodney Magruder, and um, Afika Zubach. And I've put down here that Mo Harkless uh, with one of Rodney or Zubach um, for Tristan Thompson works. Would you make that trade? No. No, because... What if no picks are attached? Well... What if it's not that... What if it's not their own first? What if it's a second in the future? Yeah. Yeah. If it was a second, then maybe. The good thing about Thompson that, like, is is lost in the whole point that I just made about him having terrible defensive rating and, like, generally not being a good defensive player is that the things that you would traditionally expect a big man to be good at, i.e. shot protection, rim protection, he's bad at. Like, he's a bad Mm. shot blocker. Mm. But he's one of the best still in the league at like if he's defending a big man and you and he gets switched in a pick and roll like he can hang with the guard you know he could stay in front of you so if you went up against a Harden you wouldn't feel terrible about you know like obviously you'd need to shade some help over but if you ended like you know 10 possessions a game with a Harden attacking Justin Thompson with a bit of help like you wouldn't feel terrible about it Mm. so that's that's good but then it's like the Clippers' biggest issue with their two bigs, who they play at the five in Zubach and Harrell, is when they play Harrell, they get killed, like inside, because you know Harrell, good player, yeah, but he can't. Yeah, he's yeah, he can't block shots. And Zubach, the the thing that I just talked about, is a stiff. He's a stiff. He can't, he couldn't hang against Harden to end a possession. You know, mm. so they kind of have like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> But then, but also the best of both worlds. Bringing in, you've got a six man of the year. Bringing in Tristan Thompson, like who can't defend the rim and who could feasibly end a possession against James Harden. Well, guess what? You've already got Harrell on your team. And also, he's a great offensive rebounder. So imagine if you're Houston, because you know it's fate complete that Clint Capella is going to get traded. So you're going to try and out rebound um, Tristan Thompson and Montrose Harrell with PJ Tucker and Daniel Tice. Let's say that happens. Yeah. yeah. Or even if it is Clint Capella trying to out-rebound Trez Harrell and Tristan Thompson. See, the thing that I think is interesting that I heard from various people at The Ringer, it was on Bill Simmons' podcast, and then I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was KOC was writing about it, or maybe it was Charks was writing about it, is that they're actually thinking about trading Harrell. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. Is this is it like conjecture or is it? Nah. Well, it was. I don't know how substantiated it is, but there was like significant discussion on the podcast, and then I read like an article in which it was like you know something, something, yeah. something like. Um, and basically, the idea behind it is that, according to the numbers, that Lou Will and Harold haven't been like as good this year as they were last year, and Harold, despite posting good rebounding numbers, actually has a really bad rebounding percent, mm. and that. They I wish I could remember who I was taught who it was by because it was really interesting. They yeah. basically did using second spectrum, which is like the advanced, yeah, advanced yeah. player tracking stuff that the NBA has on all the players. The stuff that lets them be like who's moving at the fastest speed or like you know who jumps the highest from a standing start mm-hmm. or like that sort of thing. Yeah. They looked at the players who were the best at boxing out. And Harold's one of the best in the league at boxing out. Yeah. But there are three components that Second Spectrum can identify in grabbing a rebound. The first one's boxing out. The second one is like shifting your position in midair 
to like you know adjust for yeah, your, yeah. your opponent's movement and then the third one's coming down with it he's one of the best in the league at the first one but one of the worst in the league at the set, the last two so yeah basically he like I still think he's worthy of like you know winning sixth man of the year because he's just been so good and he still averages just under 20 points down. he still grabs seven boards so yeah. he's still really good but Simmons was basically being like if there's one team in the league who was going to like be like look like this guy is good but like, he's probably maxed out and we'd be better if we traded him for like two other players like two good players if there was one franchise who was going to do it it would be the Clippers and I kind of agree so it's like is it for like Miles Turner maybe well you know let's say no moves get done um, from now until the deadline who, who do you think you know who's going to be in the finals I'm looking at the top of the conference and I'm saying the Lakers and the Bucks. really yeah I've got the Bucks uh, and the Utah Jazz. Yeah, well, classic. <laughs> no, but I think the Clippers. Um, if it is going to have, if you bend my arm and say pick a LA team, I'll, I'll pick you the go Clippers. Clippers. Yeah, what? Because you think that the the lack of depth that the Lakers have is going to. Yeah, I yeah. think like it's great that AD and LeBron are two of the best players in the planet and like of all time, but Alex Crusoe isn't. He's nice. Uh, Danny Green's amazing, but then you know you're playing Rondo real minutes. It, you know, it also all comes down. I just said, imagine no moves get made, but do they get like Derrick Rose or do they get, you know, a backup wing? Do they? Everybody's trade? favorite Jehovah's Witness, Darren Collison, who like <laughs> I re- see, I don't want to retire. I don't want to put too much stock in that because. But you would get him at no, like no cost. You'd get him at a veterans minimum. Okay. And um, if Darren Collison, who was good last year, if he was seventy five percent of what he was last year by the time the playoffs rolled around, guess what? That's your backup point guard. And you don't need to play Rondo those minutes. Uh, well, that's also the reason why they signed Quinn Cook. Mm. And to a lesser extent, like DeMarcus Cousins. Like yeah, but there's a school. huge amount of evidence that Quinn Cook's actually not very good. Like, <laughs> he's He was good uh, when playing alongside Steph and Clay. Yeah, but when, so, when so he had every single, every single open look because all the players who could defend guard side players were already occupied. Like, mm. you know. Um, yeah, right. So we got nowhere with Tristan Thompson. Let's just have yeah. fun. But uh, what do you think about Harold? Like, what? Like, I don't know. Maybe you flip him for Turner. Like, uh, like Turner on the Clippers. That would be great. Uh, yeah. Maybe like he, he would have to be traded for someone who's big. Like that would be the only reason, like way that they would trade him. Well, is it Clint Capella, um, Andre Drummond, or Tristan Thompson? Maybe they trade him for Stephen Adams. But you just told me last pod that he's like not even one of the best thirty centers in the league. Yeah, league. I don't like Stephen Adams, but. I'm I'm thinking of like a player who's available who is big. I I would rather stand pat and not do anything. Yeah, I uh, think I think you're right, but I just thought it was interesting that it was like everybody's talking about like oh like maybe the Clippers will use their first round pick that they've got because they're one of the only contenders that has their own first to play with. Well, I even wrote the article at the start of the season where I said Marcus Sol's going to end up on the Clippers. Because, yeah, you know he's been he's been too injury prone this yeah, year, which and is he's also shooting like. 41% from the field and he's also probably going to stay on this team and uh, he, you know, he's trying to want to keep their guys around just like I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to get moved no matter how many times people fake trade him to Philly yeah um, alright let's talk about one that I know is going to divide us which is great because we've just clocked over an hour and we need another point of contention but according to Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer the Knicks and Hornets have discussed a Julius Randle deal um, that is based around um Julius Randle, Dennis Smith Jr. for Terry Rozier and Malik Monk. Now, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love looking at your face. Um, 
I know you don't think there's any winners here. Mm. And I, I think... referred to it before as a stink bomb of a trade. <laughs> I think that there are two winners here, and that are, that is both teams. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's. <laughs> The, I don't know the the thing that I the thing that I'm just like a bit let me can I just talk you through my thought process because yeah. I haven't had time to like order it so I'll just get it out and see what you think here's my thoughts Dennis Smith Jr. has absolutely no value but also like he kind of should have value because if you did think you could rehab him then like you know, maybe you would take him on. Can I just step in? I think of DSJ as matching salary with this trade. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't but that's what I'm saying. Like, he has yeah. no value. Like, in this yeah. trade, he's just a number. Yeah, so let's, clearly, not, let's not say his name. No, but clearly, if you were Charlotte and you're trading for him, you're, like, thinking, like, well, fuck. Like, I, yeah. I'm viewing this as you're trading for Julius Randle. And, look, if you can get um, salary, let's yeah. not say Dennis's name, because yeah. that would humanise no, it. No, I want to say it. But by you getting that salary... Um, you're getting off Terry Rozier. If you think that you can get... <laughs> that was really poorly worded. If you think you can get a look at a dude who three years ago averaged 15-5 and five as a rookie, yeah, for, effectively for free, then you do it. And now that I'm thinking about it, if you were going to like think about who would, you rather, who would you like to play Dennis Smith Jr. alongside, it's not Frank Nilekina. It's probably someone like Devontae Graham who yeah, can play shoot, off shoot, ball shoot, and can shoot. Yeah. Now, that would be a nightmare defensively. It would be like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland level yeah, of disaster yeah. defensively. But like maybe you just cop it for now. Yeah, they get off Rozier and they bring in Randall. But like, why would you bring in Randall? What's the reason to bring in Randall? Is and this, why would come in? And why would the why would the Knicks take on? Rosia, like there was a report like a month ago that they wanted to look at Monk, which is ironic because that year <laughs> when they drafted Nilakina, they could have had Monk at eight, and he was he wanted to go there. Yeah. And now that Nilakina is bad, they're like, let's get the guy who we always should have gotten. <laughs> he's but also, also bad. The secret is that Malik Monk's very bad. Yeah. The secret is that he's like one of the least efficient shooters. Well, not even shooters, just scorers, because the dude can't finish at the rim either. Yeah. 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 Um in the entire league and then you'd be taking on Terry Rosier's contract <laughs> to go along with your balloon payments to like Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris Senior like I don't I, I just don't get it why, why anyone would do this unless the Hornets were like man if we can steal DSJ in this trade like we could be onto something but that's obviously not why they're doing it like Dude. Why why did why does Charlotte want Julius Randle on your team? Julius Randle is going to get you five extra wins next season or this season, and you <laughs> you don't want that. This is my favorite trade of this I, whole sheet. This is my favorite trade because I love how everything you said is also a reason why this should happen. I'm I just I don't know if you can tell, but I'm just confused. I, and you can see how much I'm smiling. I love this trade. All right, my go. So if you're if you're the Hornets, right? All right, let's let's look at Memphis. God forbid if I was the Hornets. <laughs> let's look at Memphis and Jamarant is having an incredible season. Jamarant's probably going to win, win Rookie of the Year, 
Um, and he's got all this space to operate. He's playing alongside another good young player in Triple J. And he's got a big in JV. This is NBA JV, not Euro. Not, JV. not, <laughs> not Euro Valentunas. But regardless, even the NBA JV is good in the paint and he can roll to the rim and he becomes an option for this young flashy point guard to come down the you know, he can drive down, he's got shooters all around him and he's got um this guy who's rolling to the rim and no matter what level you're playing at, he always has to be respected as a roller. That's the same with Julius Randle, who is just like a bulldozer when he's rolling to the rim. He can't do much else, right? But he's rolling to the rim, and you know that presents an option to the young guards like um, Devontae Graham and their young guard who's going to be on the next Charlotte championship team because they're obviously going to get a really high pick this year. And I've put here, let's say they draft LaMelo Ball, or let's say they draft, you know, who's who's the North Carolina dude, like Cole Anthony or Cole Anthony. Anthony Edwards. Let's say they draft that next young guard and you need someone to be the Jonas Valanciunas to their Jar Morant, and now you've got him. So yes, they'll probably win five more games, but if you look at Atlanta this year, Atlanta are going the full tank. They're going full rookies. They've got... They've surrounded their young rookie core with just role players that aren't very good at anything like Alex Len and, you know, other people. Um, So by giving their next young guard who they really want to develop into, arguably, they, they want, you know, they would want the best guard in the league. That's what every team would want, right? So they've got this guy who gets to develop alongside a premier scorer in the paint and yes, they win five more games, but they're not going to be like Atlanta, where Travis Schlenk has to like tuck him into bed, um, tuck Trey Young into bed, and say, "Oh, we're going to get some help." You know, I've just got Jeff Teague on the phone, like just you know, hold, you know, hold the phone away. You know, they don't have to like baby him because they've got a competent enough team. And like, what's winning five more games when the lottery odds are more flattened? Like, what's the point of you know? It doesn't matter if you yeah, again, it doesn't matter if you win five more games because. Atlanta are probably going to get like, you know, maybe the fourth pick again. There's no guarantee they're going to get a top three pick, even though they stink like shit. Um, so that is why you get Julius Randle, because he helps develop your next guard or, you know, Devontae Graham, if you're into that. Can I counter? Yep. The reason why Valanciunas is good in Memphis is because Valanciunas is good. Yeah. But Randle's not. See, that's where See, you're wrong. See, all right, I'm going to just compare... <laughs> I've just pulled out some numbers. Yeah. So, um, Randall has currently has a fifty, sorry, a forty nine percent effective field goal percentage. They should, throw which is good for, that. which is good for, in the twelfth percentile, of of um, big men. Uh-huh. He shoots sixty one percent at the rim, which is zero to three feet, which is good for the twenty fourth percentile. He shoots. 70, he shoots 45% from like short mid, which is decent. Um, like it's it's not terrible. Compared to Valanciunas though, who's a 62% shooter from, um, with on his effective field goal percentage, he's 75% from the rim and he's 51% from short mid. He's better from literally every area of the court. Yeah. And you could say maybe that's that he has more spacing. That's exactly or, what I was going to say. Or maybe it's because Randall has literally never shown that even when he's played on a team that did have spacing that he had a modicum of shot selection. What team has he played on? And the other spacing? thing that's bad about <laughs> Randall is that his defensive numbers and his rebounding numbers are like bad. Anyway, I have in the past made the case for Randall, but I don't think he would help. I think I'd rather have Cody the... Zeller. Like I'd rather, you know, like have yeah. it as it is and it's Cody Zeller or like 
maybe you play PJ Washington or Miles Bridges more minutes at the four and that that's your role, man. You try and develop those skills because like I'll show you, like obviously for everybody listening, like you won't be able to tell, but I'm just going to show Sean Julius Randle's shot chart. Like that's it's, what it is. It's blue it's, everywhere. It's bad. It's yeah. really bad. So is it going to help Devontae Graham and maybe Dennis Smith Jr. develop if they're just you know throwing the ball into Randall on the roll and he misses or what happens with Randall is like he he posts up and he isos and he you know like like that's not helping anyone you you could go find 15 bigs off of the you know like off the free agent pile who would just post up and still get you an effective field goal percentage better than Randall no yeah I don't think so. You're saying that Julius Randle is like a replacement level player that you can just find on the scrap heap. Not necessarily, but I just don't buy the argument that he him is going to help anybody develop. I think so. <clears throat> and also, you said you said his name again. I said don't don't say Dennis Smith Junior's mm. name because just forget he's in the trade. Just he's matching salary because I don't think anyone's picking up his option or re-signing him afterwards. Um. All right. So mm. let's let's sort of agree to disagree there, even though I'm right. Mm. But he just presents an option, you know, for Lamelo Ball. Let's say that name again. Like he just presents an option that he can fill a role. And I think if you'd swap JV, if well, if you swap JV and Julius Randle, yes, Julius Randle has doesn't look good, right? But if you swap those two dudes, does Julius Randle shoot better, being on a team with spacing and with a much better point guard? Probably marginally, but that, like, it's 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 a bad comparison. Not not a bad comparison, but like it's I, I think he won't shoot noticeably better because Julius Randle loves post-ups and isos and driving into packed lanes and he loves shooting threes even though he's bad and he loves taking the ball from the three-point line and trying to get inside. JV is the exact type of player that you would want on the roll because he's good on the short roll. He can stop and pop. The numbers that I just read out prove that. He's good in the post because you have to defend his post game because like we talked about, like EuroLeague, Valentinus is like just an unstoppable scorer and he's good on the roll like he sets good screens he's just good at everything Randall is like you say he's an option but what if he's just a bad option I would much rather just be like alright we'll we'll keep PJ Washington at the four and we'll just run screens of PJ Washington or we'll run screens of Miles Bridges Miles Bridges predominantly plays the three now long term maybe he's like you know his outlook is maybe he should play a bit of small ball four how that fits with Washington is yet to be determined but like if you just look at him individually his body type is pretty similar to Randall he's huge he weighs like he's a bit lighter he's you know a couple inches shorter but he's that still that stocky well built type I'd much rather have a screen and roll with Miles Bridges and like develop that skill than be like Julius Randle's going to develop Devontae Graham's passing or like he's going to you know develop like who else is he helping you know like who else has the ball in their hands on that team other than he who shall not be named who they might bring over in a trade like who else are they are they like oh we really need to develop Caleb Martin Mm -hmm. like against the dude they draft this coming draft yeah Um, and that's pretty much all that matters like on this team there is PJ Washington and Devontae Graham that you can say are on the next good Hornets team Um, and also another positive of making this trade is is that you get off Terry Rozier's money and then well that's that's that's, I mean that like that's huge to be able to get off Terry Rozier's money and you don't have to pay Malik Monk 
No one's paying Malik Monk. The Knicks will. If this trade goes through, I will bet you a handshake. Right. Also, I, I owe you a handshake because I said to you last week on the all, on the All Star episode that mm, Devin Booker. Would I be guarantee him. you that Devin Booker will be an All Star. Yeah. A bit of ASMR handshakes for the. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So here's the thing about Malik Monk, other than the fact that he's like really bad. He's really bad. That's the only thing you need to know. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, it's on the Knicks side of things, the Knicks get to continue to be the Knicks. And I think that's good. No, they don't, they, they just get given every salary. That's fine. If you were someone like, if you were Houston, would you want Bobby Portis? No. Would anyone, should anybody want Bobby Portis? Because no. Bobby Portis is the one player on the Knicks that I'm kind of like, maybe. Maybe what? If he was in the right situation. Because he's a good rebounder and he shoots threes. Mm. See, unlike Randall, who I think has shown that he's the same player anywhere he goes, um, what if... I, I think Portis is the player who I want to see like in a different situation. Like, What if Portis was playing... In a different, different situation. That isn't his second situation. Yeah, but I mean... This situation obviously sucks for everyone. Yeah. The reason why I'm down on Randall is because I've seen this before. Yeah. The only t- the only time he's had like a really great year is when he was playing next to Anthony Davis in the front court, and it's like, well, all right, cool. Like, you know, you've proven you can play well with Anthony Davis. Yeah, exactly right. Like you, you know, you've proven <laughs> you've proven that you can play well with the best big in the league. So sick. But when you're in any other situation, like it's been bad. And yes, he hasn't been in the best situations, but also I can count on, you know, like 50 fingers players who have been in bad situations and still played well. Yeah. Um, Portis has never played on a team where anybody can space. Yeah. He's the best shooter on the Knicks this year at like 36% from three. And he does grab boards. I don't know. Maybe if you're Houston, you trade Capella, you find a way to bring in Portis and then like Portis is your you know, those minutes when um, Tucker isn't on the floor, like Portis is your big man. Maybe the Clippers like flip a second for Portis and like, well, there you go. Portis is, is, is that guy. I don't know off the, top of my, off the top of my head what his defensive numbers are like. I, I have a feeling they're probably quite bad, but mm. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at them now and they're terrible, but he's a good rebounder. And he, he 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 shoots like he can hit a three. I don't know. All right. So on the record, Dante Buffer, Bobby Portis fan. Yeah, thinks he's key keyed in, locked in for the most improved player next. I season. kind of half have to talk myself into it, but if I'm looking at who I would want on this team, who's like gettable, so it's like everyone but Barrett and Robinson. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Portis would be the one that I would look for before Randall because. Portis could go to a good team and be the seventh best player, whereas like Randall is kind of like, admittedly like too skilled a player to be the seventh best player on a team. Like, but the type of player he is is just a player that you can't win with if he's your second best player. Like, mm-hmm. it's not possible. Maybe you should tell the Atlanta Hawks to trade for Bobby Portis. Mm. Maybe right. I should tell Barcelona to trade for Bobby <laughs> Portis so you can go and punch Nikola Mirotic in the face again. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, all right, so. One other big trade rumor, which is, you know, absolute porky pies, but um, I just want to say it just because it's funny and it would sort of, it would counter, would it almost? It would counter the 
um, Julius Randle trade, but the Knicks, um, according to John Krasinski of The Athletic, offered uh, the Golden State Warriors Bobby Portis, Kevin Knox, Frankie Smokes, Alonzo Trier, and a second-round pick for D'Angelo Russell. Um, this is a different um, John Krasinski than the one who the is from The Office. No, that's a different one. This is the Wolves beat writer for the Does athlete. not... So just to confirm, the guy who played the main guy from The Office is not reporting... I've only ever watched The Good Office, so I don't, I don't yeah. know what he looks like. Who, who's... He's married to Emily Blunt. John Krasinski. But he spells it differently. I was just trying to be funny, but... Oh. Yeah, it is spelled differently, and... Yeah, that's... And it's not the same guy. That's not the funny office as well, yeah. so... Fuck, got a problem. Um, yeah, no reason to talk about that. Uh, Golden State, also, it's just in their best interest just to wait until, you know, I'll just get these out because I've, I've written them down, but it's in Golden State's best interest to wait till the off-season and onwards to trade D'Angelo Russell if they want to do that because everything they've said is that they want to keep him, they want to see how he looks like with Steph, which, you know, Steph's now coming back early March. They want to see what he looks like alongside Clay Thompson as well, Stephen Clay. They want to see if they can play three guards together. Um, and also, why trade him for Robert Covington and Gorgi Zheng now when you know you're getting a bad contract in Gorgi Zheng now? Um, when you can wait till the off season once you know contracts are up and people have space, like more teams will have space in the off season, and you can trade him into space instead of trying to get crappy salary back. And this free agent class is kind of crap so um, there might be a few hungry teams after they realise that uh, look oh we missed out on Brandon Ingram and Anthony Davis and Gordon Hayward so let's fill up the PR list somehow by trading for an overrated all-star yeah I mean this is a bad offer because Portis like, <laughs> like, like you know Portis in the right situation I think could be like a, like a value get because realistically like if you were like we'll give you a second round pick they'd probably be like sure yeah. but the right situation isn't like the Warriors currently the right situation is like the Clippers or the Rockets or you know someone like that yeah. trade him to fucking Boston someone that needs a big and who's going to make the playoffs Kevin Knox we've talked about it um, ad nauseum on the. I feel like just like a whole bunch of times random dudes come up on this podcast maybe it's always me talking about it but like the two wings from Atlanta Hunter and Reddish I feel like I always <laughs> no, talk about how bad they are you mentioned them once and a week Kevin right? Knox I always talk about how bad he is like Kevin Knox is terrible and at the start of the season I was always talking about how bad DSJ is um, you know you show. always talk about Cam Reddish I, th- I actually yeah. I want to go back I wish you could press Control F on podcast, but I want to find like when was the last episode you haven't mentioned Cam Reddish? Yeah, yeah, I know because you squeeze me into everything. Yeah, I know. Congratulations, thanks. Let's keep that streak going. In much in the same vein of Cam Reddish, Kevin Knox is really fucking bad. Yeah, and you pick in last year as a, as a rookie, he was like one of the worst rookies in the last ten years. This year as a sophomore, he's probably one of the worst sophomores in the last ten years. You pick a metric. He'll he's be bad. bad at it. He's bad. You want to pick a general one. Like, he's bad. You want to pick about, like, wins above replacement. You want to talk about PR. He's bad. You want to be like, oh, at least he shoots threes. No, he doesn't. At least he goes boards. No, he doesn't. At least he can put the ball on the deck. No, he can't. You look at a number. You look at a skill. He's bad at it. And Frank Nielakina might be the worst offensive player in the league. So... Alonzo Trier is okay like Alonzo Trier would be a kind of player who would like you know maybe he has Norm Powell potential where like on a good team he could have like you know a 25 point game in game 4 of the playoffs mm. what I want to ask you is what if they like sweetened that pick 
No, because... What if they made it top three projected this year and unprotected next year? And then no. it's like, all of a sudden, you got the first overall pick from next year. And just like we spoke about in the Clint Capella digression, mm. what are we trading that pick for? There's no one available. Bradley yeah. Beal next season, that's yeah. fine. Like, I'd love another guard to go in our three-guard lineup that we haven't seen a minute of yet, and I don't yeah. know if it works. Yeah, I We need real players that play games right now. We don't need more picks because we've already got one pick and we're, we plan to trade that. Also... Um, like yeah, Alonzo Trier could be. Who do you say he could be? Norman Powell. He could be Norman Powell, and Norm, Norman Powell's like a prototypical three and D player. But Alonzo Trier, uh, his um, Instagram handle is Isozo, and any dude that's on the Knicks that thinks he can do it at ISO, I just really don't want to touch out of the ten foot pole. He played at Arizona with Dondre Ayton. Really? Mm-hmm. Same team. No way. Yeah. Starstruck. Starstruck. <laughs> and then they there, and then he went undrafted because. Turns out, not a good team. <laughs> um, all right, just want to do one more before we wrap up. Something yeah. that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, but Derek Rose is still piston. Um, and look, he seems very gettable. And I want to ask you, I was listening to... I was listening to the the Sixers Beat podcast, the Athletics Sixers Only podcast, mm. and they were talking about... You know, it's just they really need that one guard to fill up the Shake Milton, Raul Neto, Trey Burke, or Furkan Korkmaz role. Mm. Um, because something that really stuck out to me is they said that you never see on Instagram, like, you know, you'll be swiping through, you see like crazy dunks and crazy passes. But every now and again, you get this really wholesome thing where it's the Utah Jazz swing, swing, swing. Mm. Royce O'Neill cut, swing. Um, someone else cut, swing. And then all of a sudden, it's like a georgia's nang wide open three and like yeah. everyone's just so happy yeah have you ever seen this philly team have one of those amazing swing 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 like 18 passes for a wide open three philly highlights is ben simmons in transition or joel Embiid on the post that's it yeah you never see them having those amazing passes because yeah. when ben simmons passes out to josh richardson who you know is a catch and shoot player or they pass it to tobias harris who is just going to catch it put his head down and dribble and he's a good player like i know you like yeah i know you like toby harris but like that's what he does he's yeah. not going to make the extra pass they don't have players on that team with the dna to make the extra pass yeah and simmons i like i don't know where i heard this stat but simmons is second in the league to lebron in percentage of his assists that lead to a three so simmons kicks it out to josh Richardson who shoots yeah. to tobias harris who shoots yeah. to you know you name him who shoots they, because those players which is, is great like Simmons is generating threes but those yeah. players don't have it in their DNA to like do what Utah does and it's beautiful when Utah does it yeah. and it's I don't know whether it's that they bring in players like that or that they make players like that that they make like a Royce O'Neal or like a George's Nyang like they're like you can play you're good you maybe you're not great, but if you want to get on the court, you have to do this. Yeah, and yeah. they just ingrain it into them because like it was there when they were doing it with Rubio. Yeah, and well, now Rubio is gone, and they're still doing it. I just mentioned the Jazz as just a random name, but you see, it like with obviously these last year's Golden State Warriors, they did it all the time. God, scared me. Um, the Spurs obviously do it because they're the Spurs. You see, like all these teams do it. Even I remember some LeBron Cavs teams did it, where they would just have like random teams with like. What is it like, Kyle Corver and yeah, they they have a possession where they make fourteen passes and they finish it with a made three. Yeah, it's stuff be- like it's that. It's beautiful. And you've never seen the Sixers do that. And does Derek Rose fix that as someone no. who, someone who at least can catch it and then just drive off those open lanes that the two stars have made? Yeah, but Derek Rose again is not that player who has that DNA. Like if Derek Rose is, you know, if yeah. Derek Rose go drives, I agree like with he's, you. He's yeah. he's you know putting his head down and he's getting he's just Tobias Harris without a jump shot. Yeah, and a little bit smaller. But does Alec Burks do that? 
No, because Alec Burks puts his head down, takes one dribble, gets to the elbow, and then pulls jump up. Who does it? Does Malik Beasley See, do it? No, but Malik Beasley is... He could do it. Malik Beasley <laughs> is a good player, but like on this team, he's redundant because it's like, well, Zaire Smith is in theory, and he played for the first time all season like a few days ago. Mm. He's in theory the exact same player that Malik Beasley is. Um, you've got at the end of this little rundown, like what are like the most likely things that happen before the trade deadline, before the next time that we get to do the pod. I don't think Rose is going anywhere. I think that'll be one thing that happens. I think that he'll just stay put. And I think that the Sixers are going to pivot and it's going to be somewhere that we haven't thought of, but that it will kind of make sense. You're like, oh, like I didn't think about it that way, but like, yeah, maybe it does. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's like they trade Smith and a first round pick this year to... The seven to the Kings for Bogdanovich or yeah. something like that, where you're like, maybe it's a name that's been linked elsewhere, but you they just make it happen because they've got. If you include Smith as an asset, they've got assets and they can send out like salary under ten million. Like they could cobble together something, you know. Mm-hmm. But in the ten to twenty range, it gets dicey because they'd have to give up Richardson, which. Yeah, you know, you unless you're getting back someone really good, you don't do that. Yeah, but I think Rose stays put because all the reporting is that the Pistons were saying, "Well, we won't trade him unless we unless he asks for it, and he, he's told us he wants to stay. And if no one's going to come and you know give the offer that Minnie wants for Covington and say we'll give you two first round picks for Derek Rose, then uh, you know I think he just stays put, and the Pistons trade him you know in a year." when he's mm. an expiring at $7 million and he's still playing well because Luke Kennard's been traded to the Suns and Reggie Jackson's shit. And, <laughs> you know, he just play, He just yeah. starts at point and he's playing really well. And then, you know, in ten, in 10 months' time, someone's going to be like, fuck, remember how, how good Rose was last year? Yeah. Or remember how good Rose had been to start the season? Let's yeah. trade. Like, the trade will still be there. It was so. a good signing. Yeah. Well, yeah, just I may as well say it now. What's our most likely things to happen by the next time we record? Um... And I've also written, like, next week when we talk, the NBA could either be, like, you know, this Clint Capella crap's gone down. Robert Coffin just, just got traded for, like, the number one overall pick because his value is just sky high. You know, you've seen, like, Al Horford got traded for Chris Paul. Like, some incredible stuff like that. But, no, I just don't think... I think, like, not much is going to happen. I think, I think it's going to be quiet. There is too much stuff. Like, we, we went through most of the permeations with that Clint Capella thing and everything I could... All the dominoes I could fall... And it's just too much stuff and too neat and tidy for everything to fall in place. I just the other thing is that everyone's already good. Every- all of these players, all these teams who we're talking about that are in in buy mode <coughs> are already good. Like the Clippers and the Lakers are the best teams in the West. The Rockets mm-hmm. are sitting fourth in the West. Philly's fifth in the East. Like Boston's third in the East. Like these are all teams that, with their teams currently constituted they have a non-zero chance of like making it to the finals. Mm. They're all teams that could do it. Like not in theory, but in practice could do it. So it's not like you're like the Blazers and you're like, fuck, like, well, realistically, we're not getting there unless we make a big trade. Yeah. Like they're already teams that maybe they've it's got- It's pretty set. Like, maybe yeah. they've got at least an 8% chance of getting there. So it's like, that motivates you to stand pat and keep your assets and just roll forward with the team that you've got that you've already proven can, you know, like win 50 games. All right. Um, just final thing. Um, I think even if it is quiet, Marcus Morris is going to be changing teams. Which team does he end up on? This is Marcus Morris senior, by the way, not his kid. Not his kid. <laughs> I'm I think s- the Rockets are the Clippers. 
I'm going to say the Lakers. Yeah. Just because Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins, and like, you know, whatever. They, they can offer each of their second round picks for the next three years. Yeah. And no first round picks. Yeah. I think that'll get it done. <coughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. It's gone on for an hour and a half. It's quite a long episode, but you and I are really passionate about talking about trades. It's something that I love. This is like a second Christmas for me anyway, <laughs> just um, heading up to the trade deadline. And uh, make sure to follow all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, give us five-star ratings on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, and see you next time. Jackson Harris was robbed. <laughs> 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 <laughs>